what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello and welcome to Stepping Up Service. I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, a survey services and consulting firm uh, located in Western North Carolina. And with me, as always, is Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, Alan. How are you feeling today? Uh, doing, doing just fine. Feeling pretty good. And uh, glad to have you with us again on another episode of Stepping Up Service. For those of you who have not listened to the show before or are not familiar with what we're doing here, we're spending a lot of time each month talking about the world of customer service. Uh, we're talking about you know how we interact with people, how we uh, handle our clients and customers' needs, and different ways to uh, not only do that better, but also adapt to that in an ever-changing uh, business world. Now, Ed, as I look back at some of our previous episodes, even going back to maybe one of our first early ones, you know, the idea of customer service, I think we've even talked about this, that a lot of people perceive it as a very soft skills, soft type of uh, mentality where it's all about the niceties. It's all about just being nice to people and doing some simple, friendly things. But, you know, I got to think there's a little bit more to customer service for a lot of business owners out there than just uh, it just being the nice, warm and fuzzies and the real soft things that it can do for a business. Uh, Am I right on that? Yeah, you're definitely right on that, Alan. I know a lot of people when they think customer service, they think about those warm fuzzies you were talking about. It's the smile, it's the eye contact, it's the please, it's the thank you. And and those things are important, but the reason why they're important is not just because we all need to be altruistic. We all need to just treat each other kindly. It's because there is a business benefit to good customer service. And a lot of people when they think about the business benefit, they think, well, it's return business, that there's a certain percentage of customers that are going to return if they're treated well. That, that's the loyalty piece. Or or maybe it's the word of mouth that you get with great customer service where somebody has a great experience. They tell some friends, they tell their buddies, they tell their family, et cetera. Uh, and there was actually a study that came out from Bain & Company, a worldwide business consulting firm. And this is retail focus, but it applies to virtually any kind of industry. And they focused a lot on how the average purchase value can increase based on how you're interacting with the customer. So in other words, that that conversation you're having, that moment of truth where you're face-to-face with the customer, if you handle it in the appropriate way, typically, uh, on average, customers are going to purchase about 50% more items than they would have otherwise. Wow. Okay, so, so what you're saying to me is, you know, I've always thought of customer service like you described more on that idea of it's just getting those customers to come back next time they need to buy something. But you're actually saying from this research and the study that there's a there's a good chance that what they actually buy in pure dollars during that interaction could be higher if they're given a, a good customer service experience. That's exactly right. So there is that longer-term benefit of repeat business, but if you handle certain things in the right way and you avoid certain missteps that a lot of people uh, tend to do when they're interacting with customers, you can actually not only have a purchase made, but you, through the course of that conversation, can actually get the customer to to buy more products, more services from you. Okay, well, I think I'm guessing right now that the the ears all just perked up of a lot of uh, business owners or people really heavily involved, maybe a lot of CFOs out there uh, hearing that, okay, wait a minute. So improving customer service may mean that we actually see higher sales in that actual interaction as opposed to just getting those customers to come back next time they need something. So That's right. I mean, customer service isn't just about serving for the sake of serving. There, there is a financial benefit uh, to providing great customer service. Wow. Interesting. Well, so, Okay, so I know we spent a lot of time in our other episodes talking about some different nuanced elements of customer service, but to me, this sounds like this is really a, a situation, I think you mentioned even a second ago, the phrase, maybe kind of that moment of truth or that one-to-one encounter where you've got them, you're talking to a client, a customer or a client, and you're trying to uh, work with them in a customer service mentality. This is that moment where that opportunity for the sale could increase, Right. So yeah, it, th- th- this is where it becomes really critical to make sure we know what to do, what not to do, uh, to make sure we make that encounter as positive as possible so the dollar impact will be there. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, uh, Alan. So in these conversations, when you're with the customer, you, you have certain things you want to do, certain things you want to avoid. And 
And uh, we're actually going to walk through some of those today. I might start with some of the don'ts. Um, but, yeah, there are certain things that you want to make sure you and your employees are looking to do and looking not to do to make sure that you are getting the financial benefit from that interaction. And, again, just to re- re- remind everybody, we're talking about that, like Ed just said, that true financial impact in a customer service experience. So it's not just what percentage of our, our customers come back you know, for future purchases. This is truly trying to impact the actual dollar impact of that encounter at that one time, which I, there again, that, that concept's still fairly, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how, how exciting that could be for a lot of businesses to really focus those energies on the kind of things we're going to talk about doing with the understanding that there could be that dollar impact fairly immediately, um, as opposed to something that you're building up for longevity and repeat business. So very interesting. So let's go ahead and cover some of those. They, they care more about the, go ahead. I was just going to say a lot of organizations, they do care about that, that short-term impact. They do care about that immediate gratification. And from the employee's perspective, you know, they, they want to know if you're going to train me in customer service, if, if I'm expected to, to interact with customers in a certain way, that, that there is going to be some benefit in doing it. So we're actually going to go through, uh, why don't we start with some things not to do okay. uh, when you're in front of the customer. And, and just to kind of make it a little extra interesting, uh, uh, we'll use some different analogies. We'll use uh, – uh, political analogies, uh, and hopefully we won't ruffle too many feathers there. Um, and then uh, entertainment uh, analogies, and, and obviously politics to some extent is entertainment. Well, I was so, going to uh, say hopefully this will work well together. I was going to say it sounds like you're talking about the same two two industries here to me. So uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and I just, I just voted, these days. I just voted yesterday, so it's, uh, politics are fresh on the brain. So this will be good timing on that. So great, okay. all right, that's great. Well, go ahead and let's hit some of the don'ts. Then what are uh, what do you want to start us off with? Okay. Well, when you're face-to-face with that customer or you're, you're on the phone with the customer, the first don't is don't script. You know, unless you can really ensure that all your staff are going to sound sincere, the script can often hurt more than it helps. I mean, uh, let, let, let's come up with a political analogy. You, you've probably heard Democrats use the script. Um, they need to pay their fair share. Okay. Uh, yes. they, they have this standard statement they always talk about when it deals with taxes. Well, if the customer is the voter – uh, and the customer was having an interaction with somebody who says, you know, they, these folks, whoever they are, they, they need to pay their fair share. Well, what what is a fair share? You know, mm-hmm. is it 20% of their income? Is it 50% of their income? Is it 70% of their income? Does that include Social Security, Medicare, state taxes, sales taxes? I mean, most politicians haven't thought that far ahead. Or, or think about Republicans. You know, Republicans often say, we believe in small government. Right. Well, well, the federal government last year had a $3.6 trillion budget. So are Republicans saying that they believe in a $3.2 trillion budget? <laughs> right. I mean, is that small government? So if they got pushed on that question, well, what exactly is small? Are you saying $3.2 trillion is small? It's one of those things where if the employee uses a script, they say these certain statements, if the customer – who doesn't know the script, if the customer comes back with questions that divert from the script and really uh, try, try to hone in on what the real issue or need or response might be, then things can break down because the customers don't know the scripts uh, and, and therefore the employee's comfort level is going to shut down. So try to avoid scripts. Try to avoid just saying rote points uh, because if that's what the focus is, then a lot of these conversations could get difficult in a hurry. So is the idea, Ed, there that you know, like you're saying, if if someone just only knows a script and they focus on that script and that's really what they rely on, they're not always going to be as knowledgeable about the facts and the, the, the information behind that script. And that's going to come out and that's going to look bad. So people who depend on those scripts and rely on them and use them uh, and can't express them naturally are going to find themselves getting stuck sometimes in conversations. And that's ultimately going to look bad and uh, be very visible to the customer. That's exactly right. You want to make sure that you're going to come across very comfortable, very confident, very knowledgeable. And saying a script is one thing, but uh, to come across comfortable, confident, and knowledgeable, you need to be able to respond effectively to those requests that are coming in, to those needs that are coming in, to those issues that are coming in. Now, is it fair to say that some organizations – I've been to some places or seen some organizations where I I feel like everybody on board at that place – has a certain way of saying something back in a very customer-friendly manner. Sure. But I think what you're telling me is that it's not that don't ever script. It's don't script 
unless you can make it you can make it meaningful unless you can really sound like you mean what you're saying and it's not just something that you're just kind of forced to say like a robot yeah that, that's exactly right i mean think about chick-fil-a for example for anybody who's familiar with the restaurant chick-fil-a it's a fast food restaurant uh and they have this catchphrase you could call it a script that says my pleasure and, and it seems like whenever you go through the drive through and you thank them for the order they say my pleasure it, it sounds sincere it sounds like they, it really is their pleasure to serve you, and mm-hmm. that's important. It's not just them saying the phrase. It's something that's obviously part of their culture, uh, something that, that truly is part of who they are so that when they say it, it sounds sincere and it comes across more positively. I guess the simplest way to say it is that if you're going to use a script, it needs to be presented in a way that nobody listening to it ever detects that it's a script. Exactly. Okay. All right. So be, so basically we're saying be very, very careful you know, don't script unless you can make it sound meaningful and, and natural. Yes, okay. yes. You want to, you as they say in American Idol, make it your own. Oh. Yes. Is, is that one of those singing shows? Uh, y- yes, it is. It's, our, it, it's uh, uh, on every night, uh, it seems like, during the week, because my, wow. my daughter wants to watch it every night during the week. But, yes, it's one of those singing shows that uh, a lot of people watch, and uh, they, they, um, they, they know what they're doing uh, wow. to, to – uh, uh, get the viewers, get the listeners, get the watchers. Uh, uh, so, yes, it's it's definitely uh, an interesting form of entertainment. Well, so. Ed, I only have boys at home. So, uh, ah. you know, pretty much if it's not a uh, sporting event or a superhero cartoon, I don't know when things are on. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to a second don't. So we did the don't script unless you can mean it. Uh, what's the next don't? Well, the, the next don't is don't push. And especially when you're thinking about customer service uh, as opposed to hardcore sales, don't push your product to the point of ignoring the needs of the person that you'd like to purchase the item. You know, instead, when you're in customer service mode, even if part of what you're trying to do is to sell, if you're in customer service mode, instead try to pull information from them about what their issues are, their needs are, their goals are, those things that they're trying to address. And then once you identify what those issues, needs, and goals are, you can provide the solution in the form of your product or service. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Happiness. It uh, stars Will Smith, and um, he's actually this uh, father. He actually becomes homeless, and he has a, his son with him. And he, he is – in the end of the story, he's a successful financial advisor. But prior to getting there, he had this <clears throat> excuse me bone density scanner and he Mm -hmm. would go to physician offices and and he would try to push this scanner he would put it on the exam table in front of the doctor and try to get him to purchase it and he wasn't that successful and and he was living on the on the streets with his son for a while Um, but then he decided he wanted to get into finance it was a different type of sales and he had to do a lot of studying and learning about uh, all, all the different products and services and mm-hmm. the different requirements of somebody in finance. Uh, and he was selling investments. And it's not something as tangible as a scanner you can put on an exam table. Sure. And he was uh, forced to try to uncover the needs of his customers before he suggested what products and what services and what investments to offer. And in happiness, mm-hmm. Will Smith was highly successful once he, he got away from pushing the product and started with pulling information from the customer about what their real needs and goals and issues were. I see. Okay. So, so there again, it's the idea of if you go in with just, I'm going to sell this and this is the way I'm going to sell it. And I'm not going to stop until I've sold it this particular way. Um, it's just not going to work for people. You're not going to see the sales and the, the revenue from it that you could experience. So it has to be where you're really listening and trying to discover those needs and uh, and adapting, I guess, as you go along as well with that too, because I can imagine you get into a conversation with a client about their needs, and it may divert you into a completely different path. But you've got to be willing to go on that path with them and not push exactly. them down the road you want them to go on. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was in a meeting uh, last week with a prospective client, and we had met previously, and I came in there with a series of. Uh, questions, and I was trying to uh, get in the mindset of pulling information from him, and I had a very specific approach I wanted to take to the conversation. But as soon as I walked in 
he, he shut the door and he started sharing reports with me and sharing information and sharing examples of what his concerns were with retention and revenue and, and that sort of thing. And so I let him go. I let him drive. And he actually shared the information with me. But mm-hmm. even though I was in there to pull information from him, if I would have been pushing through my list, it would not have been nearly as effective, nearly as beneficial a conversation uh, as it turned out to be just because I allowed – him to drive, him to share, and he did the vast majority of the talking. Yes, right. And this is something I, I, I'll just kind of bring it to a personal side here. I know here at our business, too, that's something we've been working really hard to do for so many years is it's not a matter of saying this is a product we have and you have to fit into this kind of mold to make this product work. It's, you know, we may have some starting points for conversations of products and services, but uh, I'd say half the work we do is truly based on just a client telling us this is something that would really help me or this is something I really need and we're shifting everything and patterning it to meet those needs. And I think that's, uh, I guess one of the reasons we've been around since, you know, 1976. I mean, it's, it's definitely, mm-hmm. it's, it's worked for us, you know? So. Yes. And I've seen some of the survey design that you do and I've been amazed uh, about how much customization you all allow and offer and suggest to the clients. And it's just one of those things where, you know, in the end, the client wants to get their need met. And right. the more flexible we are in, in addressing what the needs are and the more open and listening-oriented we are, um, the, the better chance we have of meeting those, need, those needs and maintaining those relationships down the road. Well, I will go ahead and say that I have seen, especially even in the just last few years, I don't know if we're seeing a little bit more of a renaissance towards people wanting to be served in a more customized, flexible manner, but – uh, I have seen more companies and clients come to us as an example simply because they were frustrated with their previous vendor because of their lack of flexibility and willingness to listen to their needs. Um, I mean, that's where we probably get a, a, a huge share of our business from is people who have tried to go with a firm that, you know, had a set path, uh, path they take you down, a certain product service matrix, and you have to fit into this, this particular service. But after a while, that becomes very, very frustrating for a lot of people. They want something that's going to meet their needs, and, and you need to be the one to help meet those needs. Right. And that's interesting because uh, a lot of times when people care more about how to use the information than they care more about what is the content of that survey, what is the content of that intelligence I'm trying to gather on my customers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what's going on in different industries, whether it's Healthcare with some government mandated surveys and the impact on reimbursement, or with just a down economy, and it's uh, a situation where companies don't have the long waiting list of customers to backfill the ones that had left. You know, where retention right. is that much more important. The more important it is to get good information, the more uh, because of the impact on the bottom line, the, the more focused businesses are on saying, well, let me figure out what kind of information I really need. Uh, let me ask just these specific questions and not these other questions. And uh, the more they hone in on on trying to get some kind of a customized solution that's going to really help them in the end improve their business. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree. Completely agree. Okay. What's, uh, what's your third don't yeah, for us on this? A third and final don't is don't rush. Oh, amen. Uh, and in amen. societies, yes. you know, often frenetic pace these days, patience with a customer is one of the greatest virtues you can have in conveying uh, that you care. And just to kind of give you a quick example of the impact it can have, I, I was an internal consultant at a hospital, and this is probably 15 years ago now. Uh, and Bill Clinton was president at the time, and Bill mm-hmm. Clinton came to Charlotte. And one of the administrators, uh, of the hospital had to go meet with the president. I don't want to say had to, but uh, she, she was a staunch Republican, and, mm-hmm. and she was the one identified to go meet with the president as a representative of the hospital and just talk a little bit about health care issues and that sort of thing. Right. And when she came back and she met with the administrative team and I sat in on that meeting, she said, you know, I, I don't really agree with his politics but when you're in the room with him, he made you feel important. He made you feel like you were the most important to important person to him at that moment in time. Hmm. So this was obviously somebody, Bill Clinton, 
who didn't just shake hands with you while he was looking at the next person he was about to go say hi to. When he was engaged with you, he was totally focused. He was patient. He was not in a rush. And he conveyed a vigil moment of truth. So the third point is don't rush. I mean this is an example of somebody whose political leanings were the exact opposite uh, of the president. And yet she came away feeling very impressed and such as – uh, this this president really cared about me as an individual, and he came across strongly. So you can overcome uh, a lot of negatives by conveying patience and conveying that you care. Don't rush. Is the third don't. Well, that and this is a huge one for me as well. I am uh, I am I'm notoriously sour on salespeople or somebody's trying to sell a service to me if they're pushy and trying to rush things. Um, yes. Because at that point, I don't like working under fast pressure like that all the time. I don't like making decisions under rush pressure. Uh, I've gotten burned a lot by making decisions under rush pressure in the past. So I'm, I'm really determined not to do it again. So when you've got a salesperson trying to sell me something and saying, well, I need to know this by this date or I need to know this now or I'm going to call you again tomorrow and find out if you're ready to go, uh, that's an automatic turnoff. That's not going to work. And uh, I know the mentality of the salespeople or people doing customer service work or, or any of this is trying to push it quick and get the experience and encounter done quickly because sometimes I think they think that's what the customer wants. They, they think they want that the customer wants this super fast, quick process, and that is not always the case. There's some things, you know, when you go through a drive-in line at a, at a fast food place, yes, you do expect those to be pretty quick. But if there's a problem, even in a drive through line, the last thing you want to do is have the staff rush you through because they're just trying to churn out these customers as quickly as possible. Um, so it's just – it's a real – it's a tough balancing act for a lot of people, but I completely agree. This is a huge turnoff for me if I feel rushed at all in a customer service or any kind of sales experience. Yeah, and it's interesting that you're bringing that up because when we think about these three don'ts and we're talking about how you interact with a customer can impact that – moment of truth, that conversation, that transaction financially, then you're talking about how if you're rushed, it might keep you from purchasing from yes. this person or wanting to listen to them and purchase more. Uh, if we push, that turns a lot of people off. If the if we're, we're pushing a product as opposed to listening and asking questions and those sorts of things, that can turn people off. That can keep them from purchasing from you. And if we're overly scripted and we sound insincere and we're not – uh, we're so focused on the script, we're not focused on how do we respond to what the customer actually asks or what the customer needs. That can reduce our ability to actually uh, make a sale, to, to maintain loyalty. So try not to script, don't push, and don't rush as well. It's really turning that customer service experience into a much more natural, comfortable experience as opposed to something forced, scripted, uh, and, and pushing them down a certain path. Yeah, that's a great point. Natural, dialogue, comfortable. You're kind of creating an environment where a great service experience, a great customer experience, and additional sales can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, we're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we will hit our dues as we talk about things that you should do when trying to get a good connection between the customer service experience and the bottom line, meaning you're interacting with people how that, what kind of things can really ultimately impact the dollars and sales that your organization can experience. We'll be right back. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hello and welcome back to Stepping Up Service. Again, I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, joined again by, by uh, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Really quick before we go into the next part of our dialogue here, uh, just a couple quick reminders about the mesh and what we have going on these days. Uh, of course, Stepping Up Service is a show on the mesh. Uh, you can see all of the shows and learn all about the network at themesh.tv. Uh, getting really close to our one-year anniversary. It's been a great first year here with the network. We've got about 14 or 15 shows ongoing every month 
that we're putting out episodes for. So it's a lot of fun stuff. We invite you to come by and take a look and see what other shows uh, may be of interest to you. We do have a show on leadership development and talking about the idea of leadership called Leadership GPS that comes out once a month. And for those of you in the healthcare field, which I know many of you that are listening to this Stepping Up service are in healthcare, we actually have a show very specifically about the uh, patient satisfaction CAPS process that goes on in hospitals and home health agencies and actually a lot of other healthcare organizations as well. That is something going on every month as well. So we encourage you to check both of those out when you have a moment. Uh, also, if you have any questions or uh, thoughts or ideas for us on any shows or episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at info at themesh.tv. That's by email, info at themesh.tv. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail on our Mesh line. Uh, we listen to all the voicemails, and if we've got anything that uh, we can either listen to or give you some feedback on, or it may be something we can play in an episode of one of our shows, uh, the Mesh line number is 828-619-0048. So several ways to get a hold of us and let us know how we're doing and give us some ideas for future episodes or shows. All right, so with that, Ed, let's get back to our list. We had just recently hit the three don'ts. That as we're talking about uh, that, that moment of truth interaction where we're seeing a good customer service experience can translate to higher sales, higher dollars, greater financial impact on an organization. We talked about the three things that you shouldn't do in that moment of truth experience. Uh, but let's talk about the things that you do want to do and make sure uh, that we make that connection between good customer service and the higher dollar impact for the organization. So what's your first one, Ed? Well, well, the first one is do view the conversation as a sandwich. Uh, the, the meat is in the middle of the conversation, but you have to have that great bread surrounding it all. I mean, is there a certain kind of bread you like, Alan? I, I really like croissant-style bread. So can we use oh, that really? for this example? Okay. okay, good. And I really like ham and cheese, too. So anything you can do <laughs> – and I'm a little hungry because it's almost lunchtime. So anything you can do to I couch that conversation. If there's yeah, right. a <laughs> – I'm really liking where this example is going, so please continue. So, Okay, great, great. Uh, yes, I remember on a prior episode we talked about the Allen Jackson Grocery Store, so we'll have to make sure we have a good croissant <laughs> section in the Allen Jackson Grocery Store. Perfect. That'll be, that'll yes. be great. But the idea here is that in a conversation, the meat is really in the middle. You have to have the great bread surrounding it. I mean, it, it, the idea is that you want to open positively and close with appreciation. The beginning, the end of that sandwich essentially needs to be very positive as well. And and you want to make sure that the last opinion that the customer has is that you cared about them and appreciated them. So uh, let, let me get back to these pol- political entertainment analogies. Here's an entertainment one for you. Um, Ooh, you know, think about on the front end when you're thinking about the beginning of a conversation – uh, th- there's a movie called Saving Private Ryan. Have you heard of that, Alan? Oh, I don't ever watch any movies. I'm sorry, what's that? I don't ever watch any movies. Oh, you don't? No, well, <laughs> except whenever I host my film podcast uh, here on The Mesh called Foot Candle Films. But, you know, <laughs> other than that and running a film society and all that, no, I don't ever see any movies. Okay, so. <laughs> okay. Well, well we're, we're way out of your wheelhouse here, I can tell. Right, so. yes, yes. I'm very uncomfortable with this conversation. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Safe and Private Ryan, I mean, it, it starts out with a bang. It, it's uh, the storming of the beaches at Normandy. A lot of it's black and white. Uh, I mean, Steven Spielberg intermixed actual footage from D-Day with the movie footage. I mean, the, the, the initial part of that movie is so intense. It gets you involved from the start. It gets you engaged from the start. It gets you hooked from the start. And in and, and conversations – That's something you want to try to do right up front. You want to get the customer engaged. You want to show that you're engaged right up front. Now, Alan, uh, I know you don't have a lot of experience apparently with movies, but have you (laughs) ever been to a movie where you were disappointed in the ending? Oh, my gosh. That's like 75% of the movies I go to. So movies notoriously fall in the – fail in the third act so yeah yeah and how do you feel at the end of that movie you know you've sat through two hours and 75 percent of those end horribly what's your feeling walking away from that well i do think it impacts your 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 memory of that film no matter how great the opening is if it doesn't close with a really solid closing that's normally the thing you talk about with your friends and family it's like well you know just the ending wasn't really that great 
right. that's what sticks in your mind afterwards. So I, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's exactly where I'm going. I mean, the beginning might get them engaged in a movie, but the ending leaves that last impression. And it's the same thing with the conversation. I know a lot of people, when they talk about customers, customer service, they're always talking about, you have to make a great first impression. Well, when you think about a conversation, you, you have to make a great first impression, but the ending leaves the last impression. The ending of that conversation is oftentimes what forms their opinion about you, about your organization. So the first do is to do view, do view the conversation as a sandwich. It's not just the meat of the conversation that's important, but you have to show you're engaged up front. You have to show you're focused up front. You have to show you're positive up front. And on the back end, you always want to make sure that, that they understand that you care about them, you appreciate their question, you appreciate their business. That, that's what takes it from being a transaction, which is the middle, to a customer service conversation where the customer really feels that you care. Well, I guess working with that same analogy a little bit too, Ed, is you know, I, I can recall some customer service experience I've, I've had where the meat of it, the, the stuff in the middle, the real detailed more uh, part of the interaction, maybe didn't go as well. Um, from my perspective anyway, as a customer, maybe it wasn't the information I wanted to be hearing. Maybe I was being told that something was not possible and we were having that dialogue. So you could almost say the meat was maybe not as, as, as good as it should have been. But I do recall that as long as the beginning and end were handled as positively and professional as possible, I still felt okay coming away from that encounter. Uh, knowing that at times it may have gotten a little more tense and there may have been a little more frustration with me on the phone or however in person. But you're right. It's that ending is what I'm going to walk away with with a little more remembrance of. And I think a lot of people forget the ending. And we think about that first impression, but we forget that we have to close out that conversation just as positively as we did opening it. Yeah, and uh, just like you say, a lot of people, when they're forming their opinions or they have that last impression or they just sat through 30 horrible minutes at the end of a two-hour movie, I mean, that that is what their judgment is. That is what creates the word of mouth. That is what determines whether they want to go back and see a movie a second time, whether they want to go back to your storefront a second time yeah. or not. Well, and in the case of Saving Private Ryan, you have to sit through a really, really horrible epilogue at the end where they go back to modern day, and it was just completely unnecessary. Spielberg using a CGI technique that he shouldn't have been using. And if you want, <laughs> if you want to hear me talk more about this, you have Foot Candle Films here on The Mesh you can listen to at any time. Come join us. Okay, done. I've got my movie geek part out. So anyway, great. go ahead. So we'll move on to the next do. Uh, what do you have for us? Sure. The next do is do ask questions, and I'm going to avoid the movie uh, analogy here so because we only have a three-hour podcast <laughs> limit, so I'm going to avoid that. But, but basically, I mean, we, we, we do a great deal of mystery shopping here at CSS, and invariably the employees who perform best are those who ask enough questions to specifically understand that customer's unique perspective, their unique issue, their unique Need And it was interesting when we were talking earlier about one of the don'ts, don't push. You mentioned that a lot of employees think they know what the customer wants. Mm -hmm. And that that is just uh, a a major, major, major error that a lot of employees make, that they think they know, they assume they know what the customer wants, and and they really don't. And even if they do know what the customer wants, they, they should at least confirm that understanding, ask. Is this what you want? Is this what yes. you're looking for to make sure that they can meet the need right the first time? So the the second do is do ask questions. Be inquisitive. Um, it shouldn't be we were talking about our kids earlier. It shouldn't be a situation like uh, we tell the kids, uh, you know, you need to do this. And they say, why? Well, for this reason. Why? Well, for this reason. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, they're asking why 10 times and, and you're getting frustrated. But uh, it, it's a situation where you're asking enough questions to truly figure out what is the root cause of the issue, what is the root need, uh, and that way you can, in a very professional way, transition from that request or that issue or, or that need uh, over into some kind of a solution for the customer. You know, it, it's interesting as we look at some of these do's and don'ts, and, and especially with this one, the asking questions and Uh, You mentioned about some staff feeling like they always know what the customer wants. I think this is a real problem for people that just start out in a business environment in customer service or sales or something like that, where I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of emphasis put out there on the idea that people should know 
already know what the customers want and they should already be so uh, experienced and knowledgeable about their service that I think in a way sometimes we actually create this this wrong uh, framework for these people where the expectation is you go out there and you are so overconfident and you know your project, you know exactly what to do, that it almost creates that, in, that idea that you don't need to ask questions. You don't need to listen to the client as much. You just need to tell them what you're going to do for them. And I think that's a real problem we've got, and I think it's illustrated by some of your do's and don'ts here, is that we need to do a better job of teaching people when they join an organization that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to listen and, and not feel like you've got to hit them over the head with your knowledge and experience about a situation. You, know, you really need to learn from that customer just as much as you already have learned yourself. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point, Alan. I mean, the, like I said, the best folks in customer service, they know how to listen. They know how to ask questions. They convey the patience. They, they don't appear rushed. They don't push. And in the end, uh, you might say, well, that takes a lot of time. Well, in the end, if you do a good job of listening, you do a good job of asking questions, you don't push. Several things typically happen, including uh, you have a much better chance of keeping that customer. You have a much better chance of meeting the need first time because you're inquisitive enough to truly understand what the need was and what the best solution would be. So there's a lot of efficiencies involved on the operational side. There's a lot of loyalty and repeat business involved on, on the revenue, the top line side as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I yeah, and we'll, we'll get to my, uh, my customer service example or, or scenario of the week here at the end, but mine really ties in pretty tightly with that, that do that you just listed. So great. All right, and what's your third do for uh, linking that interaction with uh, financial impact on the organization? Well, the final do, we're getting back to politics here uh, for our analogy, but it's do paint a picture for staff of what is great customer service. Okay. Uh, so you do want to paint that picture of what great customer service is. And companies need to stop assuming that employees know the difference between good and, and great customer service. Uh, you know, because in order to deliver great customer service, businesses need to be very intentional about describing what it is, what it looks like, how to do it. So okay. if you want your employees to deliver a certain level of service, they need to have this mental picture in the of what it is, what it looks like. And getting back to politics, uh, this is something that was great about Ronald Reagan. Now, he would talk about America being, quote, a shining city on a hill, end quote. I mean, he painted that shining city picture as he worked through some of the mud of a horrible economy, through the through the difficulties of the Cold War, he talked about the future as he moved through moved the country through some tremendous change, some hard times, and this type of future focus helps people to kind of keep moving forward toward the end goal, even if they have to get through some difficulties. Mm. So, uh, try to paint that picture of what. What lies down the road? What is great customer service and what you're striving to be? And if you can paint the picture, you can create that vision, you can have your employees visualize that themselves, they have a much better chance of actually achieving great customer service because they know what it looks like, they know what it should feel like, and they know what they need to do. They begin to know what they need to do to, to work toward it. So it's, it's not just enough to go and walk into a company if you're in a leadership role and say, okay, guys, we're going to get better with customer service. I want everybody to go out there and do great customer service. That, exactly. That just using those terms isn't telling people and painting that picture enough for people. It is right. like painting a picture. You've got to be very expressive with your picture. It's got to be very nuanced and have details and tell you everything in the story. And it can't just be a word or a little sign you hang up in the wall about, you know, do great customer service today type of thing. Uh, exactly. Because somebody, when they say do great customer service, they might think, well, hey, I smile. Yep. And then somebody else might think, great customer service. You want me to be like Disney? I work in a uh, local municipality inspecting uh, homes and, and, you know, that are getting a deck added on and I'm supposed to be like Disney performing. Are you crazy? So right. people have different impressions of what great customer service is and the definition of it to some extent can be tailored to each individual company. So essentially what we're saying is that let's say you have three employees or you have 30 employees or you have 3000 employees. If you just say we want to have great customer service then those three or those 30 or those 3000 employees could all have different impressions in their mind of what is great customer service. And you want to be more intentional about that because not every business might define great customer service in the same way. So if you want to get consistency, you want to get a branded 
way that company X delivers great customer service, you need to define what it is. So that those are three employees, those 30, those 3,000 all have a common understanding of what it is, what it looks like, what it feels like. And therefore, they have a much better uh, opportunity to, to really live and deliver that kind of great customer service. And from the company standpoint, if you define what great customer service looks like, you're very intentional about saying this is the desired uh, experience for our customers, then you can start putting training and processes and systems and technology and hiring and motivation and all these other pieces in place to really deliver that level of customer service. Well, the example I always hear, it's a company you've already mentioned, but with Disney, hearing that idea that you could go up to any employee at a Disney World park and ask them what the mission of the organization is and what they value as an organization. And everybody knows this is on the same page. Everybody yes. can say the same words this with the same intent. Um, that's that whole getting everybody on the same page, painting that picture and making sure everybody sees the picture, understands the picture, and can describe that picture to everybody else. So. And the, the better you can do that, the better chance you have that everybody walking away from Disney or everybody walking away from your organization has a very common high level of experience. But if you leave it up to the three or the 30 or the 3,000 employees to define customer service their own way, then the customer experience is going to be based on what employee they interacted with that day. Okay. And if it was somebody having a bad day, if it was somebody who doesn't really understand the culture of the organization, just has their own definition of great customer service, you can have a lot of inconsistent, a lot of bad experiences out there through the customer's eyes. Right. Okay. I agree wholeheartedly with all of the do's and don'ts you gave. I think they're just so important. And, you know, some people may be listening and saying, well, this sounds like common sense. And yes, a lot of it is some common sense, but it's amazing how many people forget some of these things and just don't think about these things in terms of, actual day-to-day moment of truth interactions with customers or clients. And you have to be reminding yourself, you have to be working on these things to make those experiences be as profitable and, and as uh, successful for your organization as possible. So, More individuals and in particular companies adopted these do's and don'ts. The level of customer service, the revenue received would be so much higher from these businesses. I mean, if you just think it, 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 about your business or my business or any other business out there, if, if they were not overly scripted, if they weren't focused on pushing products, but were more focused on pulling information, if, if they didn't seem impatient or like they were rushing the customers, if, if they were better at opening and closing conversations, if they were more inquisitive, if they truly painted a very clear and intentional picture of what great customer service is, if organizations just did those six things, those interactions with customers on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-to-minute basis would be so much more effective, uh, so much better at actually creating a great customer experience and generating more revenue for the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, we have knocked through three do's and three don'ts for uh, linking that, that moment of truth interaction with uh, financial outcomes for the organization and why they're so important to get right. So thanks so much for that, Ed. Now, we always wrap up our show with some uh, customer service examples, either a bad one or a good one that we've had recently that we want to highlight. Do you have one prepared for us this month? Yes, it's a positive one. Okay, well, I've got a positive one too, but but you know what? I'm okay. I'm feeling really good today, really positive in general. I think having two positive ones is going to be okay. So we're (laughs) going to let this one slide today. So Ed, As long as we don't talk about CGI at the end of Saving Private Ryan, you're going to be in a good place, right? Oh, man, I ought to make my customer service example be something about Saving Private Ryan and and how they really dropped the ball customer service-wise at the end of that film. So that would be interesting. But uh, no, we'll, we'll stay positive today. So that, that sounds good. Um, so wh- uh, you mind if I go first? No, feel free. Okay. Well, I am uh, going through a wonderful process of reevaluating uh, life insurance options and looking at options like long-term care insurance. A lot of fun things that I really hate dealing with. I, the two things that people know about me that I hate dealing with in a business environment or financial environment, one is copiers. And, and uh, printers and things like that. I, I don't like leases on copiers and trying to calculate how many pages we're going to print and what is our best deal. I, I don't like doing that. And the second thing is insurance. I really don't like talking about insurance, whether it be medical, life, anything. But it's one of those I'm things. I'm right there with you on both of those. Oh, gosh. Life. I hate 
talking about those. And it's nothing against anybody who's in those fields. I mean, I, I get it. They're very, very necessary fields. But just the nuances of having to negotiate these things is very, very frustrating for me. Well, so I'm going through this whole insurance process, trying to reevaluate some things, trying to make sure I'm covered the way I need to be covered. And I'm dreading it from day one because I know this stuff is going to go way over my head. I'm going to be bombarded with numbers and options and terms that I don't understand. My experience has been less than stellar over the years with people dealing with this. Um, but just recently, and I don't even know how I got connected with this person, but it's another representative for the company I deal with, um, reached out, said he wanted to come talk and, and just get together and talk over options. And of course, I'm rolling my eyes saying, you know, that's, gosh, I really don't want to sit through this again. I've gone through so many of these in the last several years. But I don't know how it worked out, but he got on my schedule. And so we got together and we talked. And he did everything, Ed, that I think you mentioned in the do's and don'ts uh, just, just in this episode here to make this a successful experience for me. He, oh, great. he spoke to me in a natural tone. He, you know, if he used the term I didn't understand, he would stop, explain it, and explain it in a very simple way that I got. He talked with me about options, but he never tried to push me down any path. He never tried to say, you need this, or this is what's going to be best. It's saying, well, here's your options. Here's my suggestions. But by all means, it's whatever you feel like is a better fit for you. We'll make it happen. That's the kind of language I've been needing to hear for so many years. And he actually made the experience of signing on with insurance somewhat enjoyable, if that's possible. <laughs> but um, he's asking the questions. He never rushed me, even when I was the one so slack, not responding to him for so long. Uh, he would check in with me every once in a while. Say, hey, just want to let you know I'm, I'm here if you need me, but not going to rush you. You take your time, and whenever you're ready to talk, just let me know. And that was just very much appreciated. He nev- I never felt like I was on his clock or on his schedule to get done by a certain date. Um, he asked the right questions. He guided me down a path if I needed a guide, but if I didn't, he let me choose the path I wanted to go down. And uh, never felt pushy, never had a scripted thing. I didn't feel like I was hearing him give a speech. I mean, he really was just having a nice dialogue with me. So already I'm sold on this particular person. I'll rec- recommend him to all my friends. I mean, it works out great. So uh, That's great. it's just a great example of the things you're talking about. I signed on with probably a little bit more service than I intended to with him because of the way he handled that interactions with me. And that, that's a perfect example of the study we led this podcast off with. It's the idea that if they handle that conversation in a certain way and they do those do's and don'ts, maybe the customer will actually purchase more yes. than they might have otherwise. Of course, now that I just said that, I'm realizing, wow, I just I, I bought more than I probably was planning on. So maybe I need to go back <laughs> and review that. But regardless, it made for a great example in that it is exactly like you were talking about. I don't think I would have signed on with some of the programs I got if it hadn't been for this, uh, this person and the way they handled that service experience. That's great. Okay. Well, what do you got for us? Well, m- mine is, believe it or not, uh, related to a car dealership. Ooh. And this is the service area of a car dealership where we bought our car, uh, actually both cars here in Charlotte several years ago. Um, but we, we have uh, gotten both of our cars onto service plans, um, particularly since uh, we don't want to have to buy a new car anytime soon. And my daughter, even though she's only 12 uh, and, and our newest car is about five years old, we, we would like for that newer car to be her car maybe four years down the road. So we have long-term plans for these cars. We're not the kind that turns them over every um, two or three years. And uh, I called up yesterday to schedule service for one of the cars and they updated me on how many uh, services we had on each car that was still available and and the person picked up on the first ring they were pleasant like they are always pleasant they were flexible with uh, different scheduling for my appointment different scheduling options they told me how long it would take and and they actually uh, gave me some information on renewing one of the service plans for one of the vehicles. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about the fact that they are always that quick to pick up the phone. They were always that pleasant on the phone. They are always that flexible with scheduling. But when you actually show up, they're just as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting that they almost always, I can think of maybe one or two times over five or six years where they have actually um, completed the service after the time that they said. The vast right. majority of the times they do it beforehand. Uh, they have little perks even, like a free car wash after every service. 
Um, and they they have Wi-Fi in the waiting area, oh, big nice. screen TV, so I can get work done. And it's just one of those situations, just like yours, where uh, this is going to be the third time that we've purchased uh, service plans for the two cars. And mm. believe me, if the service itself would not have been good during the first plan, we would not have purchased a second. We would definitely not be purchasing a third. We would just go in each time when we needed to and maybe at this place or maybe a different place and get whatever basic service we needed. Yep. But because of the fact that their service is so consistent, it's so good, it's such a good experience, uh, we're, we're going to renew again. And that's just another example of if you deliver great customer service, uh, additional revenues are going to flow to you. Absolutely. Well, it's also nice to hear when you said that calling in and doing that type of uh, interactions with them was always very positive, but it actually carried over even when you showed up in person. Everything yes. ran smooth. I've seen so many companies where they may have the online phone email process down pat, but you actually get there in person and it all falls apart or vice versa. It's exactly. nice to see an organization that's got it as a seamless process. And, uh, you know, servicing cars, that's a, that's a tough, that's a, I bet you that's a tough area to get timing and, uh, scheduling all right, because I'm sure you don't always know what you're getting into sometimes when you work on a car. Um, so anytime they can get it down to a good science and have it worked out and have all the amenities around it to make it a more enjoyable experience is always a a positive for the customer. Yep. And that's, that's big money to those car dealerships. So it's great when they can retain and get people on the service plans and, and have them spread that good word of mouth. Absolutely. Great. Well, we both had two positive ones to share today. So overall, we're ending on a very positive, uplifting, happy customer service uh, mentality here. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for all the information, all the ideas. Uh, Hopefully those individuals listening, whether they're in leadership positions at an organization or staff positions or hoping to aspire to be in a role where they can impact customer service uh, in the future, Hopefully these are some things that people can remember that there are dollars attached to these interactions. There are ways to make actual one-to-one interactions with customers translate to higher dollars, higher revenue, higher profitability for a company simply by the way we handle that customer service experience. And there's some very, very simple, natural things we can do to make that uh, uh, better for everyone. So Definitely. Great. Ed, uh, so where can people learn more about you and customer service solutions? Uh, the easiest way to do it is to go to our website, which is cssamerica.com. That's cssamerica.com. And you can check out the website, check us out on Twitter there, our blog, tips of the week, all sorts of different resources for them. Great. So that's cssamerica.com. That's correct. Okay, great. And then um, and I'm with the Jackson Group, where you can learn more about us at thejacksongroup.com. Uh, that's where we do... A lot of our management consulting work, leadership development, and survey work with employee and customer satisfaction surveys. So uh, thanks, to everybody, for listening uh, to Stepping Up Service this episode. We'll be back next month with another uh, great episode with another great topic to discuss. In the meantime, visit us at The Mesh at themesh.tv to see more about not only this show. You can go back and listen to old episodes, but also to le- listen to other shows on The Mesh Network as well. So for Stepping Up Service, this is Alan Jackson and Ed Gagnon signing off. Take care, and we'll see you next month. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.